welcome to the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. Our eyes have evolved over time to see visible light. And this makes sense for life on Earth because our sun radiates mostly visible light. But if you look at all the different kinds of light in the universe, you'll see that visible light is a very small piece of a much larger picture. There's a lot of light that our eyes are missing. Today on the podcast, I want to talk about the whole electromagnetic spectrum. What is the EM spectrum? What does it mean for light to have a wavelength? And to put it into perspective, I want to talk about some of the objects in the universe that actually radiate in these different wavelengths, some of the things that our eyes are missing. So today on the Physics Buzz podcast, an electromagnetic tour of the universe. Let's say for a moment that instead of visible light, our eyes could see microwaves. These are actually the same microwaves that you use to heat up your dinner. They're a form of light. Well, first of all, our days would be a lot darker. Our sun radiates some microwave light, but not nearly enough to live by. Looking up at the night sky, we normally see a collection of bright points of light surrounded by darkness. But if our vision shifted into microwaves, those points of light would dim. Most stars would not be visible, and the sky would instead be overwhelmed by a faint glow. This light wouldn't come from any particular source. It would just be everywhere. This glow is known as the cosmic microwave background. It's the leftover radiation from the Big Bang, kind of like uh, the ringing in your ears after you hear a very loud noise. That's the CMB and it is brightest in the microwave range. If we could see in microwaves, this would be a regular fixture in our vision of the cosmos. Microwaves are just one range of wavelengths on the electromagnetic spectrum. They're just a portion of all the light the universe has to offer. To understand what I mean by wavelengths of light and what the electromagnetic spectrum is, we need to go back to Albert Einstein. Thank you. One of Einstein's greatest achievements as a physicist was to show that light is not continuous. It's made up of little particles called photons. Einstein published his paper about photons in 1905. This was before the birth of quantum mechanics, so our concept of the subatomic world was very new. And this was a tough concept for people to grasp, because light seems very continuous. It doesn't seem gritty, like it's made up of small pieces. It doesn't even seem to have any substance to it, so it couldn't be made up of atoms. This was a really revolutionary idea. But then, shortly after Einstein made this revelation, people had to accept another tough truth about light. That these photons are both particles and, at the same time, waves. It's a particle and a wave. Wave-particle duality, that's just quantum weirdness for you. 
So light is a wave and it has a wavelength, which is literally what it sounds like. The distance from the peak of a wave to the next peak, its length. Now, whether you know it or not, you observe wavelength all the time because wavelength is responsible for color. Red photons, for example, have longer wavelengths than blue photons. That's why they appear to be different colors. So wavelength is great. So visible light is a spectrum of wavelengths. It's a small group. The electromagnetic spectrum is the span of all wavelengths that light can have. Visible light is right about in the middle of the spectrum. The longest wavelengths of light in the universe are what we call radio waves. And these are the radio waves that carry radio signals to your car and your ham radio. Radio waves can be the length of a football field or as short as a football. That's the range of radio. Next come microwaves, then infrared light, and then right in the middle, visible light. Slightly shorter than visible light waves are ultraviolet light, followed by x-rays and then gamma rays. Gamma rays are the shortest wavelengths in the universe. The wavelength of a gamma ray can be as small as the nucleus of a single atom. We've given these names to different groups of wavelengths on the electromagnetic spectrum. There are no natural dividing lines between these groups. The names are just easier to use than numbers. So if someone says, this thing is emitting gamma rays, what they're really saying is, this thing radiates light with a wavelength of 10 picometers or less. See how using names is just a little bit easier? Now, if you have trouble latching on to this idea of wavelength, there's another way to think about these photons, and that's in terms of energy. Long wavelengths have lower energy. So radio waves are the lowest energy form of light, and gamma rays are the highest energy form of light. So let's say we could transform our vision to see photons with shorter wavelengths than visible light. So this would include ultraviolet light, x-rays, and gamma rays. These are high-energy photons, so we'd be looking at high-energy events in the universe. Now, of course, if we're going to be totally accurate, we would have to neglect the influence of the atmosphere, and we would have to pretend that our eyes have the same long-distance resolution as a very powerful telescope. But that is the magic of imagination. When a very large star dies, it explodes into a supernova. Supernovas are so bright and radiant that they can actually outshine entire galaxies. Okay, to put that in perspective, imagine if when a light bulb burnt out in your house, it briefly shone with the brightness of one billion bulbs. That's what a supernova does. And supernova do emit visible light. It's actually possible for amateur astronomers to see them. But they also emit huge amounts of radiation in x-rays and gamma rays. And that can make them easier to see from far away. It can also make them easier to see long after the explosion has died down. Supernova remnants are one way that astronomers create a timeline of the universe, and these remnants are highly visible in X-rays and gamma rays. 
High-energy photons even allow astronomers to study black holes at the center of galaxies. Now, black holes don't radiate any light of their own, but there are halos of matter that gather around the black holes, and these do radiate. They're called AGNs, or active galactic nuclei. Scientists believe that as some of this matter slowly leaks into the black hole, it radiates very, very brightly. Particularly bright AGNs are called quasars, and these are some of the brightest objects in the universe. Like a supernova, they may actually be brighter than the entire galaxy that they are in, but unlike a supernova, AGNs may radiate this way for thousands of years. Now let's dip down into wavelengths lower than visible light, infrared, microwave, and radio waves. If we viewed the universe in infrared light, stars would still be a major feature, but we would also see a huge population boom. Warm bodies that look sort of like large planets would suddenly appear in reaches of space that had previously looked empty. These are brown dwarfs, which many astronomers describe as failed stars. They're bodies of gas and dust that accumulated just like stars, but failed to ignite and start burning. Brown dwarfs may actually be just as common as stars in our galaxy, and it's even possible that our solar system's closest neighbor is a brown dwarf, one that is still hidden from view. Dipping down into microwaves, of course we see the beautiful glow of the cosmic microwave background. And then radio waves, the longest, lowest energy light in the universe. In radio wave frequencies, most stars would dim or disappear. So would many of the giant gas clouds. But surprisingly, the lowest energy wavelength in the universe would actually show us some of those high-energy objects we saw in X-rays and gamma rays, like supernova remnants and the extremely bright AGNs, quasars. There are slightly different processes going on that create the high-energy photons and the low-energy photons, but that actually provides astronomers with a lot of information, because if you can see an object in both high-energy and low-energy wavelengths, that tells you a lot about what's going on with that object, the kind of processes that are taking place. Radio waves are also great because sometimes it's not about what you can see, but what you can't see. Okay, you know how x-rays can look through your skin and see your bones, but visible light can't? In that case, it's actually good that x-rays don't show you skin because they show you what's behind it. Radio waves are the same way. They can penetrate gas and dust clouds that block our view in many other wavelengths. So radio waves allow us to look through objects and see what's beyond them. So radio waves can travel long distances without being interrupted. They're also fairly easy to produce. And so these are reasons why we use them to broadcast the radio that we listen to. And that's also why they're used in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, or SETI. 
some scientists believe that alien beings might also produce radio waves as a means of communication, and they hope that radio signals would be able to make their way across vast distances of space to our solar system. And in this way, radio waves could be the most powerful light source in the universe because they would let us know that we are not alone. There are so many parts of the universe that we cannot see in the visible wavelength range. I hope you're convinced that wavelength is a pretty awesome thing, and I hope you enjoyed this brief tour of the electromagnetic universe. That's all for the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.